Well, we're in John. John chapter 17. So this morning we've had just a little problem with the grill. Nothing to really worry about on that, but just to let you know, TJ and I usually don't whisper back and forth when we're up here, but that's good cause to whisper. (laughs) Especially when, you know, you've probably skipped maybe a meal or two in, you know, anticipation of a good Sunday lunch. So, as far as I know, those hamburgers and hamburgers are still frozen, I think. And uh, we'll see. We'll just see what, what we can do. Anyway, uh, I asked TJ, I did, I did ask him, does this mean I can preach longer today? And he said, I guess so. <laughs> he didn't really give me the green light, but I don't need that. We can just go ahead. But we've got five verses before us. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Um, he, uh, it, this whole chapter became known as the high priestly prayer back in the 1500s. And since then, that's what we call it. This is the high priestly prayer. Really beneficial to those of us who follow Jesus. This is his heart. His heart in that immediate context for his disciples. And then as you will see, he incorporates disciples from all time into this prayer. If you've ever wondered, well, I wonder what Jesus thinks about me. Well, You have it here. He thinks a great deal of his disciples. Um, Verse 1. We'll read the first five verses. We have a three-point outline. Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we ask that you take this word and 
embed it into our very existence as your disciples. Lord, that we would take these words to heart and that we would receive great encouragement from your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the, the three points. Number one, eternity past. Number two, eternity present. And number three, eternity future. This service is not generated by AI and will never be. I've felt for weeks I needed to say something about that. I was pretty sure you already understand that, but just had to say it. Um, so here we have uh, eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. Look at the words. Now, back in the day, there were no chapter divisions. There were no verses. All those were introduced to help you and I navigate the scriptures. So a lot of times we have a, you know, we see chapter 17, verse 1. Okay, chapter 16 is over, it's done, finished, and then we go on. But this is the same farewell discourse. The instruction concludes at the end of chapter 16, and then the prayer begins. But it's the same time. Jesus is going to die on the cross the very next day. And this prayer is offered in the presence of his disciples. Jesus spoke these things. What things? Well, what precedes in chapter 16, chapter 15, chapter 14. Jesus spoke these things. And then lifting up his eyes to heaven. So Jesus is going to pray. He said, Father. So he's addressing his father. He's praying. This is his prayer. This reveals his heart. This is, this is Jesus facing death, facing his entire uh, glorification. And he's going to pray. This is, a, this is a time of his leaving earth. Remember he said, you're not going to see me. And then you're going to see me. So he is referring to his departure. You're not going to see me. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be buried. You won't see me. But then you will see me. The resurrection. Three days later, Following his death, he is risen. He is raised. And he's, he's telling his father right now, the hour has come. That hour. Uh, there, there are times in John's gospel, he, he mentions that hour is not yet. That hour has not come. That hour is not here. But right here, he says that hour has come. The hour has come. And this hour is in reference to his glorification. Jesus will be glorified. He came to earth to accomplish a mission. 
What was that mission? It was, it was to live sinlessly in obedience to the Father. It was to, to go to the cross. It was to, it was to die in agony on that cross according to the prophets. According to the Old Testament scriptures. And he was going to, he was going to fulfill that entire mission. That mission of Christ was not accidental. It was not coincidental. It was full of intent. It was the will of God, his father. It was the will of heaven. There was great intent in this rescue mission. Great intent on the part of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit to bring salvation to man. And it's, a, it's, it's powerful. And, and the words of Christ reflect that great intent. So, he says, um, with regard to eternity past, let's continue on there to verse, uh, to verse 2. But pick it up there where he says, Father, the hour has come. He says, glorify your son. That the Son may glorify you. Now, we, we see this word glorify. Yeah, there's uh, down in verse 5, we see the word glory. So we've got glory, we've got glorified. And it's used, I think, maybe five times in this five verses. So what does glory mean? Because that's, a, that's not only the title of this sermon, that's a summary statement of this sermon. That's what this is all about. It is all about glory. We read about it in uh, Psalm 29. Everything in his temple says what? Glory. Glory. In fact, I, I believe that's the theme of the Christian life. Glory. It has everything to do with eternity past. There's glory there. It has everything to do with eternity present. There's glory there. And everything to do with eternity future. There's much glory there. Glory means to be clothed with splendor. Now for a, uh, if you want a visual then I would like to take you to the Mount of Transfiguration. What happened? Jesus went up into the Mount. And the Bible tells us he was transfigured. In fact, if you just look over in Mark chapter 9, I like Mark's account of the Transfiguration. You can find an account of the Transfiguration of Jesus in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark 9, Luke 9. Look at Mark 9. We need a visual for this thought, this idea, this concept, this reality of the glory of God. And what that means. The Bible says there in verse 2 of Mark chapter 9, six days later, Jesus took with him. Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant. 
and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once, they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. But those words there in verse 3, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. What's he talking about? What did they see on that mountain? They saw the glory of Jesus. They saw his glory. You know, Moses asked way back in Exodus, Lord, show me your glory. And God had to, you know, hide his eyes and Help him because to see the glory of God, you could not do that and live. The glory of God is so brilliant. Over in John chapter 1, I like the way John starts off his gospel. We're talking about glory. We're talking about being clothed with splendor. Right there in verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the word became flesh. Now, let me translate that for you. God became man. The word became flesh means God became man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled. You can go to the last chapter, the last few verses in the book of Exodus. When the tabernacle was completed... The peop- God commanded the people to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle was completed. And in that last chapter, verse, uh, chapter 34, the last few verses, the glory of God filled that tabernacle. Well, that wasn't the end of God's revelation of himself. That incident, that event back in Exodus 34, the glory of God filling the tabernacle merely looked forward to the time when Jesus would tabernacle among men. And then notice what John says. God became man, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his what? We saw his glory. When they, John is just testifying to the fact that when they saw Jesus, they saw his glory. Now it was veiled Not everybody saw the glory of God in Jesus the Son. But those who had eyes to see saw that glory. I'm sure they saw that glory when he was walking on the water. They saw glimpses of that glory when when Jesus healed the blind. When he healed the lepers. When he raised the dead, they saw that glory. 
What does it mean? It means to be clothed with splendor. It says glory, there it is, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw his glory. Now, eternity passed. This, it just takes us beyond our world. It takes us even beyond. John's, he's going to take us beyond our understanding. I love this. It's like, it's like the air is thin and we are, we are going to be unshackled and unfettered from the things of this world. And he is going to take us to eternity past. And he said, well, I don't understand that. I'm going to try to figure it out and blah, blah, blah. Well, best thing you can do today is accept it by faith. That just as Jesus prayed it, it was so. So here it is. He says, even as you, so the you there would reference the father, even as you gave him, him would be a reference to Jesus, authority over all flesh. So in eternity past, the father evidently gave Jesus authority over all flesh. What do you think about that? It's true. Jesus has authority over all flesh. So when you're thinking about eternity past, and you can either say glory, when you think about what happened amongst the Godhead in eternity past, before time, before anything, God was in three persons, that the Father granted the Son authority all over all, over all flesh. And he goes on to say that to all whom you have given him, so that's the second thing about eternity past, so not only did the Father give the Son authority over all flesh, but the Father gave the Son those who would be saved. Did you get that? You see, uh, we, we really aren't the center of the universe. In fact, there were things going on way beyond time and space in the company of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Father was giving some things to the Son. One, authority over all flesh. And then it says that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So evidently, back then, God gave the Son some folks, some people to save. And if you want another reference to that, just so your mind can just uh, be filled with the word of God and just how awesome our God is, how wonderful he is. And why would, why would the father give the son authority over all flesh? And why would the father give the son people to save? Why? I'll tell you. 
Because he wanted to. He wants to save people. That's, does that shock us? I mean, John even testifies to that. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not live in eternal darkness, should not die in eternal death. But that they would come to know the Father through the Son and that they would be saved. That's the Father's intent. And that originated in eternity past. Before God would have ever thought, perhaps I'll ask someone's opinion. Now, this is, this is what I would consider Theology that we don't often think about, but we need to think about eternity past. What happened in eternity past that's revealed right here in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 17 in John's gospel. And we need to say to ourselves, glory, glory. Jesus has authority over all flesh and Jesus has been given by the Father people to save. Glory. And then you can take it a step further and think, I'm one of those people. Double glory. And I know some other people that Jesus was given by the Father to save. So triple glory. And and he saved that person over there and that person over there. And it's just glorious. You ever thought about that? Eternity past? I think we ought to sing and think about eternity past a lot more. Wow. That's... That's amazing. Oh, I know. I think I, I, I thought about this reference, but we never got there. Over in Ephesians chapter 1. Right there it is in verse 4. I love the fact that Paul and John, Paul and Matthew, Paul and who's the other? Yeah, Luke, Mark. They agree. Look at this. Paul and Jesus just, this is Ephesians 1, 4. Let this fill your mind. Just as he, that's God, chose us in him. Okay, so the first he is the father. Chose us in who? In Jesus before the foundation of the world. There it is, right there. Before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, (laughs) we often forget that, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. And I say, glory. In fact, I think that's the new watchword for me, for the Christian life. God's called me to his glory. I mean, when I think about where I was, who I was, Uh, Where I could have wound up, you know what I say? I say glory. I say glory. Um, You know, think about yourself. Think about God's grace and God's administration over your life and his watch care over your life. And I, I trust you draw the conclusion that there's nothing really that needs to be said other than than glory. And when we say glory, 
We are simply clothing God the Father and clothing Jesus the Son with our praise. He's already clothed with splendor. But when we say glory to God, we're just clothing him with more praise. And we would not keep that glory for ourselves because it is all, it is all his doing. Every bit of it. We're not going to mince words and, and say you can save yourself because you know what? The reality is you can't. You and I are depraved. We are frail creatures of dust. We have no hope except for God above and his son Jesus. His work on the cross for us. It's all in him. And he's done a work and we give him praise. Now we've got to move quickly. We're trying to move through eternity. (laughs) You can't do that in a split second, right? Okay, so eternity present. Now, keep in mind what we're thinking about when we think about eternity present is the ministry of Jesus. So the ministry of Jesus and coming forward 2,000 years, which is a drop in the bucket when you think about eternity, but a very significant drop, right? Because it incorporates, encompasses what Jesus did. Now, let's look at this. Jesus goes on to say, This, this is verse 2, which is packed. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh and to all whom you have given him, there it is, he may give eternal life. So that last part of that verse is the actual uh, reality of receiving eternal life. He's giving it to those who will what? Receive it. And how do you receive eternal life? Well, you you hear the gospel and you... You receive it and you confess Jesus. That's part of it. So let's look at eternity present. That is the hour that has come up in verse 1. And right there, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So there's a a mutual desire or there's a desire for the glory of the father and the son is demonstrating his desire to be glorified by the Father, and the Son wants to glorify the Father. The Son wants glory from the Father, and the Son wants to return the glory to the Father. That the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, that's past tense, he may give eternal life. So, what is What happened in eternity present that would affect our salvation? Well, that's the mission of Christ. That's what he accomplished for us. On the cross, the empty tomb, his wonderful resurrection. We think of this and what what word could we come up with to encapsulate our heart, affection for Christ and all that he's done for us? Glory. (laughs) That's the word. It's the word is glory. We want him clothed with splendor and it is glorious. Our salvation is glorious. 
Those who receive Jesus, confess Jesus, their salvation is glorious. In fact, Jesus says when someone receives Christ, there's more, uh, there's, there's more joy in heaven than, than on earth. There's more joy among the angels than here on earth when someone confesses Christ, when someone is born again, when someone is justified by faith. Those terms, it is glory. It is just simply glorious. And now uh, he is giving. He gives that eternal life. Now, here's one thing before we move on. He tells us what eternal life is. This is beautiful. I mean, it is this. You, you, you can't, it's right there. Verse 3. He defines eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and, that's an and, Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is the knowledge of God and Jesus. That's it. Eternal life is the truth about God the Father and Jesus the Son. That's what it is. And if you possess that knowledge, you have eternal life. If you do not possess that knowledge, we would pray for you and we would, we would answer any questions you might have. We would talk with you. We would pray. We would preach harder if we could. Concerning the fact that one who doesn't know Christ needs to know Christ and needs to know the Father because this is eternal life. Eternal life is knowledge of the Father and the Son. Do you have eternal life? Do you have eternal life? Do you have knowledge of the Father and the Son. And this is not, it's not just an intellectual, I can tell you the facts, Jesus died, Jesus. It is knowledge at the gut level. Like you, you're, you've been persuaded of the gospel and Jesus and the Father and you can't be unpersuaded because you know it here. Right here, it's a gut level. It's at the heart. And, and then behind that, there's affection for the Father and the Son. There's, there's, there's love for the Father and the Son, that he saved you. Um, so this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus says, I glorified you on the earth. There it is. His his life, death, burial, resurrection, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Wonderful. Now, Father, here we go. Glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, that statement takes us eternity past, present, and future. Jesus is just saying, restore the glory that I had before I left heaven to come to earth. Because, listen, 
Jesus never set aside his divinity. He was divine in heaven. And when he got to earth, born a babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, growing up, fully divine. He never left his divinity. He's always divine. But he did set aside his glory. I mean, a lot of people looked at him and saw a man. And that was it. He set aside his glory. So here he's saying, Father, I'm accomplishing this work that you want me to do. Now, uh, once that's, I've accomplished it. And now restore the glory that I had at the beginning. Right there. Look at those words. Before the world was. Wow. Future. Eternity. Future. So what does that mean for you and I? Eternity. Future. One verse. I had a bunch of verses. Have you ever done that? You just write them down. A bunch of references. There's, they're all over the place. In fact... In the New Testament, you know what's all over the place? Glory. You know what Paul says in Ephesians 3? Paul says, to him be glory in the church. To him be glory. When? In the church. Well, I thought that was just for heaven. No, there's glory in the church. Where somebody receives Jesus, somebody wants to be obedient to Jesus, somebody... Wants to share Jesus, there's glory in the church. As we're built up in the word of God, there's glory in the church. And it's all to God. It's all to the Father and the Son. And then, oh, one verse. Yeah. First John 3. I had a bunch of verses. It's all over the New Testament. The New Testament is full of the glory of God. First John 3. Future, eternity future. What's that, what's that mean for the saved? What's that mean for those who have received Jesus? Same author. Same author as John. This is the same, same disciple that, you know, at the, at the last supper, he's, he's put his head on Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He loved Jesus. He was one of the three on the, in the inner circle, so to speak. Look at this. Eternity future. Oh, boy. We sing about it, don't we? There's coming a day. I'm not going to sing it, but there's coming a day. All right? Look at this. It's, it's the word of God. Let it, let it burn in you. This is great. See. See it. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us. That we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. The world does not understand us. The world does not get us. Because it did not know him. Here we are. Verse 2. Beloved. Now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Now, here's what that means. 
Don't let anyone look at you and conclude that what they're seeing is the finished work. Because the Lord continues his work. Make no mistake about it. If you are numbered as one of God's, as, as a child of God, he's working on you. I know the little kids used to sing that song. He's still working on me. But that goes for everybody. You just never graduate until that time, you know. You're always in school with Jesus. So look at this. It's not appeared as yet what we will be. We know. We're not speculating. We're not philosophizing. He says we know that when he appears, and he will appear, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. There's coming a day. We're going we're gonna receive to our, receive our glorified existence. Look over in Romans chapter 8 verse 30. A glorified existence. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter. He says the body is sown in dishonor and raised in what? Somebody, give me the word. Raised in glory. And you know what? That that is not to our glory. That's to his glory. He is clothed in splendor. We clothe him in the splendor of our praise and worship and gratitude to him. We have... We have much to be thankful for today. If you do not know Jesus, oh, see him, receive him, confess him, and then grow in him. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, your blessing upon this time and the song that we're about to sing. Lord, help us to Be reflective of eternity past, present, future. And to conclude that all that you are and all that you've done is simply beyond compare. Indeed, glorious. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymnal.